Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our final episode of the Playsheet Podcast this season. I'm Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Joe. Hey there, Charles. So, Joe, we've made it to the end for the second time in Super Bowl history and the second time in a row. We have home winners at a home stadium. Give it up for your LA Rams. Deserved winners. They played a good game and they deserve to come out on top. Bengals played a very hard-fought game, but ultimately they fell a little bit short at the end there. We can go through why they fell short, Charles, but I think a lot of it is quite obvious. Yeah, I think the first thing to say before we dive straight into it is it was certainly one of the more interesting and exciting Super Bowls that I've seen in recent years. It was a Super Bowl that was close right until the very end, full of twists and turns, dramas, and both teams gave it a really good shot. And I think as a fan, that's kind of all you can ask for from a Super Bowl, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say that it's arguably the best Super Bowl since probably Super Bowl 51. So the best Super Bowl in five years since that 20... 8-3 comeback that Tom Brady led. In the years since that, we've had duds for various reasons, either blowouts or just really, really boring games like the last time Rams were in the Super Bowl. So yeah, so I'd probably say the best Super Bowl for five years, Charles. Let's take, before we analyse this and, and talk about some of the talking points, I just wanted to do a, a little question and answer thing here. Cincinnati Bengals was the top metered market for the Super Bowl. So essentially... Cincy fans tuning in in their millions to watch the Super Bowl. What do you think was the second market in America? The second market in America? Would it be something like San Fran fans who want to see the Rams lose? It's going to be something like that. (laughs) You're super close. Detroit. Detroit. (laughs) Yeah. Closest they're going to come to a Super Bowl, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. So it's Detroit fans tuning in to see how Stafford got on. So, I mean, you've got to think the two biggest markets that tuned in to watch this, Cincinnati and Detroit, probably very disappointed with how things went down. I don't know if it would surprise you to know this, Joe, but LA did not even make the top 10 markets watching this Super Bowl. Well, this ties into something quite interesting that we were actually going to talk about we we never got around to it on Super Bowl night but we were going to do a little micro episode probably something on Instagram about Eric Dickerson being up in the nosebleeds and I had something prepared to say on that because I know that you were going to say how it's crazy that uh, you know such a storied player franchise Russian leader all of those kind of things was given a seat in the nosebleeds Eric Dickerson a few years ago said that LA is a, a Raiders town that the Rams don't really belong in Los Angeles that they left the fan base is gone and it's Raiders country now. And to be honest, you could have been onto something. Now, I don't think it's quite as severe as that, but it's quite a complicated market in Los Angeles there. The Rams left for a long time, the Chargers were in San Diego, and the Lakers were there. So it doesn't surprise me what you're saying there, Charles. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, interesting. And it w- I think it will be interesting to see whether this maybe revives the fan base in LA and whether they draw in new fans and football goers in the city. But it felt... well, if this doesn't, what, what will? Well, yeah. And if you remember back to when they first came over from St. Louis, I think they were struggling to fill the LA Coliseum. I know there are other things going on there with the kneeling and the anthem and all that kind of stuff. But it hasn't been smooth sailing shall we say since the team moved back 
from St. Louis. No, and we also saw reports uh, on the day and, and near the big day of just ticket prices dropping and dropping and dropping because they couldn't sell them all. Yeah, this is what it's it's like in big city markets, though. There's just other teams around. There's a lot going on, and it's complicated by the fact that the Rams moved away, shunned that fan base, and then just moved back 18 years later, 24 years later. That's, that's a long time for fans to go and either find a different sport to watch or go and find a different team to support. Yeah, well, enough about everything that surrounded the Super Bowl, Joe. Shall we jump into it? What, for you, was the most interesting point in this Super Bowl? What did you think? Do you know what? I expected to see that and I want to talk about that or something that maybe surprised you? What I'd say surprised me, what I didn't imagine I'd be talking about was arguably Jalen Ramsey was the worst player on the field. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. All of the memes that we had the day after Super Bowl were basically a 50 cent hanging upside down (laughs) and a couple of Eli Apple as well. Had Aaron Donald not made the play that he made at the end of the game to win the game, we could very well be seeing lots of memes of Jalen Ramsey lying on the floor as Jamar Chase skinned him for the third or fourth time during the game and spun off down the field for a touchdown. That could have been the meme, and it very nearly happened. Jalen Ramsey was burnt so many times. I know there was a face mask element to the Higgins touchdown. I'm aware of that. I would still say, though, that the catch was still happening. He still gave up a huge chunk play. Even if a face mask didn't happen and it wasn't a touchdown, it was still a huge chunk play that he gave up. He was skinned for the other touchdown. Jalen Ramsey was skimmed left, right, and center. And I wasn't really expecting that. Now, I've said before that I'm not sure if he's as good as the hype, that he's probably not the number one cornerback in the league, which is trade value and the hype around him often suggests. But for him to be as bad as he was... He was very poor. It looked at times like he was beaten for speed. It looked at times that he was faked right out of his boots. It was interesting to see a player that has been dominant in the league previously look so uh, desperate on many levels. You know, it didn't feel like it was just, oh, this guy's too slow. He can't keep up anymore. There there were a few things that he got beaten on. And uh, as you pointed out, it wasn't just Chase that was skinning him. It was players that you would consider averages maybe too harsh, but, you know, they're not world-class wide receiver one players that were just completely putting him on his backside. I think he gave up something like a 120 passer rating, something like that. He gave up two touchdowns, 92 yards, a really, really bad performance from Jalen Ramsey. On the flip side, though, and I think you were absolutely spot on on this last week, Charles, People were forgetting that the Bengals had a defense and there's some players that can ball on that Bengals team. I mean, the, the performances we saw from Logan Wilson and Awuzie, like really, really good performances. And at times they were everywhere. There was so much chat going into the game of Aaron Donald, of Jalen Ramsey, of that Rams defense, of Von Miller, those players. But the Bengals, I certainly felt their defense held their end of a bargain up and then some. They did. Probably the difference maker were the two O-lines because I think that the Bengals O-line was pretty paper thin as we expected them to be. The Rams O-line managed to do a little bit of a better job. That Bengals defense was tackling for losses or tackling for no gains, but they weren't often pressuring Stafford to the point where they were forcing fumbles or sacking him quite as much. The O-line held up enough 
forced Stafford to get a lot of his passes out of his hands. Well, so I think I find it a little bit. I think what the difference was that the Rams O-line could pass protect. They couldn't run protect. The run blocking was terrible. Yeah. The amount of times that we saw Cam Akers held up, tackles for losses. I mean, that first half, the Rams ground game just didn't get going whatsoever. You'd probably need two hands to count the number of tackles for losses that there were. The Rams O-line couldn't run protect whatsoever but they could allow Stafford the time to get the passes off when it mattered most. The Bengals O-line couldn't do either, really, especially in the second half. The first half, they were passable, but as the game wore on and the Rams' defense adjusted, they just didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, so I know, obviously, we're talking about the Super Bowl here, but looking at the Bengals and where they go from here, can you guess, Joe, how many times Joe Burrow was sacked this year? It was the most in the league, wasn't it? I don't know for a fact, but looking at this number, I can only assume it was. It was something silly in the 40s. 70 times. 70 times. Just regular season or through the playoffs as well. 70 times. Regular and postseason. So yeah, both. But 70 times this year. How is the man even standing? That's a lot. Of, that's, that's far too many sacks. It's like I said before... Everyone knows this. We're not saying stuff that people don't know. If you've got a passing interest in professional football, you'll know that the Bengals' O-line is garbage. It's what they have to address in the draft. And I think they're going to have to get a checkbook out and get free agents in too. They've got the cap space for it. I think it's very, very, very hard to build a championship-winning O-line just in the draft itself. You can't do it in one year, that's for sure. The Bengals are in a window in the sense of they have an elite quarterback who they're paying nothing for and an elite wide receiver that they're paying nothing for. There are very few teams that have that luxury. So you've got to spend the money elsewhere. You've got to spend the money on the O-line. And that's what I'm sure they'll be doing during this offseason. Maybe they want to go sniffing around Green Bay if things are blowing up over there. <laughs> Maybe they do want to go sniffing around Green Bay if, if things are blown up there. But this team, I, I, I kind of feel, is half an O-line and a cornerback short of being a Super Bowl winner. Eli Apple was a close second to Jalen Ramsey and being the worst player on the field. For all the trash talk, he made himself look quite silly with some of the plays that he gave up. So let's talk then about Matthew Stafford, an MVP. You know, traditionally and typically... The MVP will quite often go to the quarterbacks. I think we both agreed that we felt it was the right decision not to go to Stafford. Uh, we can touch on that in a little bit. Do you think it was the right decision to go to Cooper Cup? I absolutely think it was. And the thing is, Stafford wasn't even second on the list for MVP. If it wasn't Cup, it was Aaron Donald. And I think it was a coin toss between those two players for it. I think we have seen previously that the MVP has been shared. I'd need to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure in one Super Bowl, the MVP was shared between an offensive and a defensive player. It, it, you, we could have easily seen it shared between Cup and Donald on Sunday night. But you, you can't complain about Cup getting it. A season for the ages. He deserves applause that he's been getting. But yes, yeah, certainly, no, uh, it shouldn't have been Stafford. And so what does that say about Matthew Stafford and... You've been someone that wasn't super hot on Stafford. He's had a good season, but there's certainly been issues with some of his play at times. Talk about the Rams' dip in the second half of games and how they seem to let leads fall away from themselves. What did you think of Stafford's play in the Super Bowl? I thought it was perfectly fine. Like, you know, it, it was a seven and a half, an eight out of ten. It wasn't a dominant performance. The Rams didn't win because of Stafford. 
Equally, they didn't lose in spite of Stafford. Stafford played his part and he played his part well. It does frustrate me that the day after Super Bowl, you're getting all these calls for Stafford to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't agree with that. I, I, I just absolutely don't. If you want to look on stuff just like passing stats, in terms of yardage, all of those kind of things, well then put Matt Ryan in the Hall of Fame. Put Drew Brees as a first round on the ballot Hall of Famer. There's more to it than people are trying to simplify it down to. And Stafford isn't in the Hall of Fame conversation yet. He's still got some prime years left. And if he continues how he has been playing for this season, yeah, we have that conversation. But people are far too quick to kind of jump to hot takes after a game like that. That's exactly where I'm at with it. I think that Stafford has proven he was an absolute clear upgrade on Goff. He has certainly helped the Rams get this Super Bowl. It was more than Stafford that has managed to get this, though. And I think to be saying, give Stafford a gold jacket and all of this stuff so early on, I I don't think that is right. And I don't think that he has proved that he is such a good quarterback that he can do it without support. With Donald and the defense and cup and the wide receiver room and Stafford as well you know they've combined nicely and they've been coached well by Sean McVay but to be talking about Hall of Fame feels crazy there's so much of it that's just flavor of a week and people putting personal preferences and opinions in front of facts or anything else people seem to not want to accept Eli Manning going into the Hall of Fame there's plenty of people who make an argument for Eli Manning not being in the Hall of Fame he's got two rings but those same people will then make the argument that Stafford should be in the Hall of Fame just because he's won the Super Bowl at the first attempt with the Rams. It doesn't make a Hall of Fame career. Like I said, if if people are then going to throw yardage and that kind of stuff out, there's plenty of quarterbacks who've got the yardage. Go and get Phil Rivers in if we're going to talk about yardage. Just let it be that he's had a good season, he's a good quarterback. Let's see where he kind of pushes on from here. I suppose it was slightly leading question before, but this is another stat that actually did quite surprise me. We've spoken in the past how the Rams seem to let games slip away in the back half of games. Matthew Stafford's fourth quarter stats this season, including playoffs, 71% completion, 14 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 123.2 passer rating. Really? I'm, I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised at that. So they must just be having shocking third quarters. Yeah, I think that's probably more it. Yeah, the third quarters must be terrible. But I wouldn't have guessed that that was a stat line. But fair enough. Yeah. So look, as you pointed out, Stafford did a fine job in the Super Bowl. I think the Rams were deserved winners. It was a fantastic contest to witness. And there were some great storylines going into this Super Bowl. You had the two youngest head coaches going up against each other. You had Stafford as the new quarterback in the Rams. You had Burrow in only his second season with the Bengals. There was a lot to get excited about. And I think the game didn't disappoint. Here's a question for you, Charles. Early September, new season starting. What would you rather be, a Rams fan or a Bengals fan? Look, I think for some of the reasons that we touched on already, I think the future looks very, very bright for the Bengals. You look at Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow on rookie contracts for a long time to come. You've got a tremendous amount of cap space to be playing with. As you said, O-line is absolutely somewhere they need to focus on. Cornerbacks, they probably need to bring in some support there. But for them to get to the Super Bowl with the youth that they have in those key players and with the cap space that they have to be able to add pieces, I think long-term, they are well set up for 
probably more success than the Rams are in the future. I think they are as well. And I was going to say that we're talking about an O-line and then getting an O-line and I said you can't draft one, you've got to get a checkbook out. But even with a checkbook, it's sometimes hard to get the right O-line players in because there's just so few and far between. The Rams are going to be without Whitworth next season probably. You've got to think he's going to retire now. So the Rams have that heavily geared, expensive team, very little cap space, and they've got to go out and find a new left tackle. So I'm not saying that the Rams can't come back. I'm not saying that they can't have a very good season, but it's going to be an even bigger challenge and an uphill one next year. Yeah, and of course, you've also got Odell Beckham Jr. hits free agency. He might not even be fully healthy by the time the new season comes around. You've got to really feel for him, like you say, coming to that contract year and getting crooked like that in the second quarter of Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was the big stage, the big moment. He's got a ring, so at least he can walk away with that. And to be fair, until he came off the field, he was having a blinder. He was fire. It's very hard when a player who's having such a good start to a game like that then goes and gets taken out of it. I feel that we were cheated out of what we were getting from Beckham on that night. Without a shadow of a doubt, although maybe his absence is what led us to such a close Super Bowl. It may not have been anywhere near as close if he stayed on the field. Who knows? Who knows? But Joe, fantastic Super Bowl. And we are going to call it here for this season for us on the podcast. We will be back again in time for a little draft special. But we'll also be releasing a few videos just looking at a few of those key teams in terms of where they go next, the ones that are kind of in the middle, they've got an interesting fork in the road ahead of them. Joe's going to be releasing those a bit by bit, so they will be on our YouTube channel. We'll also put them up on our Facebook page as well, which is forward slash Playsheet Sports and our website, playsheetpodcast.com. Absolutely. Well, Joe, we'll certainly speak in between this, but... For our listeners out there, we'll see you near draft time. See you near draft time. It's been a fun season.